Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you here today. I am very glad also to see so many of my Legion brothers and sisters here today. You truly made my heart feel good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And friends and neighbors. I am honored to once again to be asked by our pastor to bring Memorial Day message as I did four years ago. Now, some of you may know or may not know that I'm also, I am the post chaplain at the Berkeley American Legion. As one of the post officers, I, like many of the other officers, we are elected every year to our positions. I am happy to report to you that I have once again been elected after a hard fought and unopposed campaign. <laughs> So here we are, it's Memorial Day weekend. And as we look forward to the start of a great summer season that only Michigan can deliver, we do pause to reflect and remember those soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen who fought defending our country and the freedoms that we continue to enjoy to this day. Tomorrow at City Hall and at our Legion post with flags at half-mast, I, along with six more riflemen, will fire three volleys. We will salute at the order of present arms and listen as our bugler will sound taps to honor all the men and women who gave their last measure so that we could live free. Since World War I, that number is over 645,000 lives that have been given so that we could sit here today and enjoy this freedom of worship. I believe in addition to our servicemen killed in action, we should not forget those who survived conflicts and came home to live their full lives, and then they left us. Jerry Church is a person that comes to mind. Jerry Church, a Marine who fought on Iwo Jima, who saw the flag go up on Mount Suribachi, who I frequently held hands with this gentle man, this gentleman in prayer circles. Remember that even though they survived, many came home with physical wounds, with emotional wounds, or more recently scorned by the very people that they served to protect. Yes, I count them all. All of them, you see, upon entering the armed forces, they raised their right hand, and they swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. They ended that oath with the words, so help me God. Therefore, it is indeed fitting what we say and what we do here today. So after recognizing these men and women in preparation for today's sermon, I ask myself, what else can I say? Who else do we remember and do we honor? And then it came to me. Those people left behind after the loss of that loved one, that service member, those of us who've been left behind, what came to mind immediately was, as I attended in 2004, the dedication of the National World War II Memorial in Washington, DC. Among all the representative groups that I saw there, I saw a group there that I'd never heard of before or had seen. This was a large group of men and women. All of them were about four or five years older than I am. There were hundreds of them, all standing together and sitting, or sitting by a banner that read, the National World War II Orphans. All of these people grew up without their father or their mother. 
and a few of so many of them, yet standing firm and proud, and they were survivors. At veterans' funerals, I've had the privilege to present a flag folded in that familiar triangle like you see right here in front of you. And I've presented these to a wife, a daughter, a son, or a grandchild to a deceased veteran. Believe me, it is a real up and close and personal experience. As I say the words of presentation, and you hand that flag over, and you start it off with, on behalf of the President of the United States and a grateful nation. I see sorrow in their faces, but also I see a quiet pride and a resolve to carry on by that one who's been left behind. Perhaps it's the beginning of a healing process for these people. So further thought has led me to conclude that we all are, in one way or another, will experience that left behind feeling in our lives. From being left behind, it can be a life lesson to us to carry forward the best way that we can to learn from those that we lost, learn from those, and reach for our goals and our aspirations. It can have a positive effect to set us on a path to a greater fulfillment of both our earthly and our spiritual lives. It just depends on how we react to this. For instance, here's an example of what not is a good wish for one that's left behind. You see, for some embittered spouses, a last will and testament is actually a last chance to insult their life's partner one last time. And so it was for a German man who left his entire estate to his wife on the condition that she remarry, so that, quote, there will be at least one man left to regret my death. <laughs> this is not what I call a good legacy <laughs> or instruction. This is not a really good idea. In contrast, though, I recently read the story of a man who was supposed to board a plane along with some co-workers to attend a business meeting in New York City. At the very last minute, he missed that flight. He was left behind, only to learn later that morning that the flight that he missed was flown into the World Trade Center. He wrote that there is not a day that goes by that he doesn't thank God for his life spared. Before going into battle, servicemen and women have been known to write what could be that last letter to a loved one just in case. In anticipation of not surviving, these letters speak of love of family. They speak to a hope that those left behind will carry on. They say things like, to be a good boy, to be a good girl, to take care of mother, to remind loved ones that though they did not return, they fought the good fight for a hopefully a better world and a more peaceful world. Soldier James Williams on June 12, 1779, a soldier of our own American Revolution, finished the last letter to his son saying this, Now, my son, I must bid you farewell. I commit you to the call of providence, begging that you will try to obtain that particular blessing. May God bless you, my son, and give you grace to conduct yourself in my absence as become a dutiful son to a tender mother and family. This soldier, James Williams, gave his life 
for our independence. He gave his life. But, but, not everyone loses their life in war. Most survive, and joyfully, and thankfully, they return to resume their lives back here at home. But with a personal and undying gratitude for surviving war, being left with the living. Such is the story of Private John Matkovic, 1st Cavalry Division, United States Army in World War II. Private Matkovic was a machine gunner who saw considerable combat while in the invasion and retaking of the Philippines from the Japanese. He fought valiantly, earning both a Bronze Star and a Purple Heart for wounds that he had received while fighting there. Now, Private Matkovic was of Polish descent, and he was very, very proud of that heritage. While in the Philippines, he learned of the formation of a Polish-American unit within the Army. So he applied for a transfer to that unit. His transfer request did not go through in time. The unit formed and went into battle. They were all killed. I imagine that his reaction to this tragic loss was at first remorse for those soldiers who were lost, and immediately thereafter a sense of combination of relief, survivor's guilt, and gratitude to an army bureaucracy that didn't move his paperwork transfer quickly enough. His gratitude also a profound recognition of God's providence. I'm sure of his gratitude to God, the reason being that this Polish Catholic man attended Mass every Sunday, very faithfully. But also, for the remainder of his life, he attended Wednesday evening novenas, which is a special Wednesday evening devotion, every Wednesday. This was in recognition and gratitude for his life spared, spared to, to come home, to be a good husband and to be a good father. I know the story myself personally. I saw this myself for Private Matkovic was my best friend's father growing up. Sometimes being left behind, being a survivor, can bring on feelings of sorrow, of profound feelings of survivor's guilt. I met Bob Drury in 1974, the day I was moving into the first home that I ever purchased. I discovered that he was a neighbor two houses away, and after introducing himself to me, he immediately volunteered to help me in any way he could. I was so impressed by his welcoming friendliness and can-do attitude. He did, in fact, help me wire in a 220-volt electric line into the house. And I'm telling you, I'm lucky I'm still standing here. We could have killed ourselves. We, we, knew, we didn't know what we were doing, but we did it. <laughs> Afterwards, we sat and we talked over a beer. It didn't surprise me to learn that, like myself, he was a veteran and that the both of us had been discharged just a couple of years earlier. He was a sergeant in the Army with the 11th Armored Cavalry. Over the weeks and months and years, we shared stories and became very, very close friends. Sometimes he cried while speaking of his combat in Vietnam. And even though he shared some things with me, but there seemed to be always, always something that he would not discuss and I never pushed it, I never pursued it. I felt, that I felt better to just let him open up whenever he was going to be ready. About 20 years after we met, we both had the opportunity to visit the traveling Vietnam Wall together. This wall 
is a smaller version of the one in Washington, D.C. It lists the names of over 58,000 soldiers, Marines, airmen, and sailors who lost their lives, and they are listed in chronological order of their deaths. When Bob and I got to the spot, documenting the time that he was there, he suddenly fell to his knees and he wept bitterly. Right there and then it all came out. There listed sequentially were five names of men in his squad who were killed two days after he was pulled off the line to be rotated back to the United States, having finished his tour of duty in Vietnam. While on his knees, he kept saying, I should have been there with them. I should have been there. Why was I spared? Why was I spared? You know, they do call it survivor's guilt. It was there and then that I finally learned of that deep down sorrow and guilt that he felt so profoundly. Yet, yet, he was this cheerful man I met many years earlier who helped me move into my new home. This man, left behind, became, he graduated college, became a mortgage banker and eventually president of a mortgage company. This man, married, had three sons, good men all. This man, a loving grandpa to three grandchildren. This man who never forgot his God. We lost him about 11 years ago to the effects of Agent Orange. I want you to know that I miss my friend very, very much. He was left behind from his comrades, but in spite of what happened, he carried a burden for sure. But despite that, he made a life for himself and for his family. The scripture that you just recently heard Chris read from 1 Peter bears repeating because I think it replies to my friend. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. And, it, and he did. Oftentimes, being left behind causes us to communicate with the ones that we have lost. Even though he's been gone for 28 years, I still talk to my father. After 22 years, I still talk to my mom. There is a collection of memorabilia and letters that have been placed at the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C. For there are people that talk to their lost buddies there. Many former soldiers, sailors, marines, and airmen have left letters to their lost buddies on the, on the ground closest to their friend's ascribed name. In 1985, soldier John Campbell wrote to his lost friend, Eddie, who he lost about a decade earlier in Vietnam. It was a long letter, but he ended it this way. For years, I felt your life, as well as the other 58,000 lives, was wasted. And anyone who wasn't there could not or would not understand what we went through. That's changing now. People are, becoming, are beginning to realize that we were doing our jobs and doing them well. We had to pay the price, and until recently, we were the ones tagged as losers, not our government. So if all the names on this wall make it harder to send guys halfway around the world to die, then maybe it wasn't a total waste after all. I think only history will judge if that thought will ever have any effect on our world's leaders. 
to think real, real hard before sending these young men and women into harm's way. All of you here today, combat veterans, non-combat veterans, civilians, all of you know from where I speak. You've lived some of this. You've seen it in, in history. You've read it in the papers. So this being Memorial Day weekend, of course, this message addresses those who sacrificed their lives. And yet, in addition to those heroes who left, who left behind family and friends, comrades, all of us, in a sense, do confront being left behind by loss. One of the names that comes to mind is Wilma Mineri, our beloved former charter member of this congregation. As a deacon, I have visited her for about 18 months before her death at age 99. You know, she had quite a life. She had quite a life despite becoming a widow one week before her husband Jack died before his retirement, just shattering all their plans. And yet she found, and she found herself alone, and yet she learned to manage finances, ensure the upkeep of her home, and found the inspiration to become an accomplished seamstress and clothes designer. She overcame her shyness to perform solo performances in front of audiences depicting famous women in history, among them Mary Todd Lincoln, Harriet Tubman, and many more. She overcame her sorrow and became more vibrant than ever before, a survivor, and she was certainly a blessing to all of us. As Christians, we have learned of other people through the years via Bible study and sermons regarding Pentecost, which is coming up, and its effect on the apostles of Jesus Christ after his ascension into heaven. Imagine, imagine that in spite of Christ's teachings and his assurances that he would always be with them, they too must have felt left behind after Christ's ascension into heaven. In Jesus' absence, those times surely must have tried their faith and their thoughts of, what happens now, now that he's gone? Then, when perhaps these apostles were at their lowest in patience and faith, the Holy Spirit, in the form of a mighty wind filled with the gathering place and enlightened their hearts and minds as tongues of fire danced over their heads. We heard Chris read that scripture this morning. What was for a short time a period of quiet and uncertainty for their future and for the future of the message of Christ became a time of exuberant activities of preaching, healing, and glorifying God. They, the left behind, became the force of Christ's command to teach all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The energy, movement, and the great story of salvation of God's Son Jesus spread from beyond Israel to the then known world. A story and promise freely given, love, grace, and forgiveness. Freely given salvation that continues unstopping since then. Yes, even all the way to this church, to this community, to your very heart and soul. Left behind? Left broken? Left in paralysis? I think not. Not for private John Matkovic, not for Sergeant Robert Drury, 
not for soldier John Campbell, not for Wilma Maneri, and not for the apostles of Christ. So after recognizing these stories, these examples of people left behind, I look at myself and perhaps all of you here today. In one way or another, we all have in fact been left behind. It is my hope that these examples will show that even in the bleakest of circumstances, with God's help, we can overcome that adversity of being left. Through him, our risen Savior, we can endure hardship because of him. Even though we may indeed feel left in the dust, truly we are never alone when we are with God. For anyone feeling alone and left behind this day, my wish is that may our sweetest Lord wrap you into his loving arms to bring you comfort and to walk that journey with you. May God bless you all. May God bless the United States.